0: Well, good evening, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church on a Wednesday night. We're glad all of you could make it for a midweek Bible study, and it's uh, great to have you with us here on campus. For those of you joining us via Facebook Live and live stream, welcome to you as well. We're honored that you would take the time to join us tonight as well. Tell you what, why don't you just look around and see, find, lock eyes with somebody that, that you haven't talked to in a while and just tell them, you all right? You all right? BT, you all right? Amen. I want to leave you, uh, give you a few announcements rather uh, this evening. So, uh, first of all, we want to remind you that on Sunday, the 24th, Brother and Sister Gums will be back with us in our 11 a.m. service, and that is going to be a service just for our kids. And um, we're looking forward to seeing uh, great things happen in that service. And Get your kids here. Get your neighbor's kids here. Get your kinfolk's kids here. It'll be a great time for them, and they will hear the gospel presented in a way that they can identify with and respond to. And that's a a good thing. For all of our men, we want to uh, remind you that on Saturday, April 30th, there will be men's prayer in the A Center at 9 a.m. And those of you that can be here, we would love it if you could join us. And then, uh, every, everybody's favorite, uh, Move the Mission cake auction bake sale coming up on Sunday, May 1st. and uh, That's always a fun time, and uh, we would really like to uh, have more people contribute. So if you can contribute some baked goods, uh, cakes, pastries, cookies, especially chocolate cake, because that's my favorite, um, whatever you can bring. We would love to have it and uh, just contact Sister Tanya Coley if you can contribute to that. And while we're making announcements, uh, we also want to ask all of you to please remember a couple of our Grace Church families. Uh, First of all, uh, Brother Dave Bunch, uh, the Bunch family, um, they lost a grandmother uh, this past weekend and um, they are traveling and and going to attend those services. And also uh, Sister Sarah Tomlinson Uh, had a sister uh, pass away, and so we want to remember both of those families uh, in prayer. So uh, keep those families in mind as you pray um, this week, and as always, you can stay tuned with what's going on here at Grace Church just by downloading the app or clicking on the events tab on our website, amen. Let's get into Bible study this evening, what do you say? All right. Back in uh, July of 2019, I taught a couple of lessons in the adult Sunday school class called Mercy in Real Life, and what I am endeavoring to teach tonight is really like a sequel or or a continuation of those lessons. It's not the same lesson, but I do want to use the same personal story that I used in an introduction to those lessons back in 2019 as an introduction to our study here tonight now I've got three titles for you here tonight you can pick the one that you like the most alright so it's it's a veritable smorgasbord of Wednesday night Bible study titles so you you pick the one you like so you can call it building a lifestyle of mercy or if you don't like That one, you can call it Let Mercy Be Your Witness. If you don't like either one of those, you can call it what I'm calling it. I'm calling it Weird Mercy. Weird Mercy. So, back in July of 2019, Julia and I were in the town of Visalia, California. Visalia is in the San Joaquin Valley, about 190 miles north of Los Angeles and about 35 miles south of the um, Sequoia National Forest. And we had planned to go see the the, um, giant sequoia trees the next morning. If you've never been and have an opportunity to go, uh, five stars, totally recommend it. Incredible to see those trees and to to be in that park. But uh, you you can't stay in the park, and so uh, we were gonna stay that night in Visalia and then go early the next morning. Y'all, it was hot. Uh, it was a different kind of hot than what we experienced here. It was hundred and six degrees at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the afternoon and uh, we found a restaurant downtown, uh, had a great meal, went out for a walk near dusk when it had finally cooled off to a balmy 93 degrees right at sundown. In the previous few days I had been in Long Beach for a work conference and Over the three days that I was in Long Beach, I had seen more homeless people in those three days than I think I'd seen in my entire life combined. There's uh, an even larger population of homeless people in Los Angeles, a 2019 report uh, from the city of Los Angeles said over 59,000 homeless people on the streets of Los Angeles. It's probably gotten worse since then, I don't know that that's gotten better. So Julia and I had seen evidence of a lot of makeshift shelters made out of tents and made out of blue tarps. And we were on our drive northward out of Los Angeles and um, you could see like tent cities just along the interstate as we were driving out of Los Angeles. And in my naivety, I thought that after we got out of Los Angeles, we would be leaving that scene behind. Uh, But there in the very hot but clean streets of Visalia, was another homeless man sitting on a bench in that downtown area with all of his earthly belongings just piled up around his feet there on the, on the bench. And he, ha- he had his shirt off, which was kind of understandable considering how hot it was. He wasn't bothering anybody, he was just sitting there on the bench, one leg crossed over the other if it hadn't been for all of the stuff that he had piled up around his feet you looked at him you would have just thought he was just some eccentric local uh, you know taking in the taking in the evening before he went home as julia and i walked by a car passed on the street and it was a black customized import of some kind you know like a black acura all decked out uh, heavy tent chrome wheel nice looking car I, I drive it you know and uh, there were, the windows were down and music was coming through you've seen similar things I'm sure just some kids out enjoying Friday night rolling down Main Street in Visalia except as they passed by a, a kid in the in the passenger seat he, he leaned out of the window like for a second I thought he was trying to crawl out of the window he leaned out of the window And with a laugh, he he yelled at the homeless man sitting on the bench. He yelled, hey, man, why don't you put on a shirt? And I, I really doubt that the kid in the car heard the man's reply over the music that was in the car. But I did. I heard what he said. Because in a quiet and very resigned voice, he said, maybe next week. That was it nothing else didn't curse he didn't laugh just maybe next week and y'all I'm not being melodramatic whenever I say this it struck me because I, I heard a lifetime of hopelessness in that one simple statement just three words maybe next week but they said so much And the car drove off, and the homeless man sat there, and Julia and I walked on by. But in my heart, I thought, man, what a a punk. What a punk. What a jerk. I mean, what is is your problem, dude? I mean, how heartless can you be? Why, Why pile on the ridicule like that and kick somebody whenever he's obviously already down? What's wrong with you? How could you be so heartless and and cruel and make fun of somebody in that position? It's not like this man wants to be homeless. It's not like he wants to be sitting there on this bench with all of his earthly possessions piled up around his feet with no place to go whenever the sun goes down. And I had a moment, y'all, where I, I seriously considered turning around, going back to that man, and taking off my shirt and giving it to him. But I didn't, because I don't, want to be, I don't want to get arrested for public indecency, and I don't want to be, you know, disowned by my wife for public indecency, because whenever you look like the Pillsbury Doughboy and you take off your shirt, that's what happens. So I didn't do that, you're welcome for that visual image. So I didn't take off my shirt and give it to the homeless man, but I do, I wish that I had done something I wish that I had done something, anything, to show that man some mercy. That whole episode took about 15 seconds. But it's almost three years later, and I still think about it. He just needed some mercy. He just needed some some kindness. We've all been there, haven't we? maybe not shirtless and homeless sitting on a bench in Visalia, California, but we've all been there in a place where we just needed some mercy. We just needed somebody to show us some kindness. So with that picture in mind, let's, let's get to it tonight and dive in, talking about, I don't know what you called it, I'm calling it Weird Mercy. I want to talk to you for a little bit about why we need mercy and why we need to be merciful Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 in the New Living Translation says this says let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most Jesus ministry was all about mercy In fact, there wasn't a single person that he didn't show mercy to. Blind people, lame people, leprous people, demon-possessed people, sinful people, doubting people, questioning people, immoral people. Jesus showed them all mercy. And if we are Christians, if we are Christ-like It's what Christian means. If we are disciples of Jesus who endeavor to be like him and live like he lived, well, guess what? Mercy, then, should be a conspicuous part of our nature, just like Jesus. Jesus was so merciful, it made him conspicuous. It it made him weird. He was so merciful, not only did he stand out, but people didn't know how to take it. You've got to remember that in this time and in this culture, if you had bad things happen to you, it was because you deserved it. And if you had good things happen to you, it's because you deserved it. So if you were lame or blind or leprous, then obviously it's your fault. You had done something wrong and you were being punished. Whereas if you were blessed and wealthy and healthy, then you deserved it. You'd done a a lot of good and righteous things. So for Jesus to show mercy and compassion to those that were leprous and lame and blind and demon possessed and begging meant that he was showing mercy to people who were just getting what they deserved. They didn't know what to do with mercy like that. You're not supposed to be with people like that, Jesus. You're going you're to catch something. You can't be around people. You can't eat with people like that. You can't touch people like that, Jesus. Jesus was so merciful in dealing with people that were broken and hurting. It freaked people out. Grace Church, that should be us. Jesus understood what mercy was all about, and he tried to tell us. He tried to get it through to us, and we think that we, that we got it. Like, we understand what mercy is because we know the definition, you know, undeserved forgiveness or unearned kindness. So, whenever someone forgives you and you don't deserve it, well, that's mercy. When somebody shows you a kindness that you haven't earned, that's mercy. And we're like, oh, okay, I got that. Next lesson, Jesus. Move on. I, I got mercy. I understand it. But look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6. He said, if you love those, I'm going to read from the NIV first. He said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Because even sinners do that. just as your Father is merciful. I love this passage in the message paraphrase. I'm going to read that to you. Same passage. It says that Jesus is talking here. He said, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you. Then grab the initiative and do that for them. If you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? Garden variety centers do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that. I tell you, love your enemies. Help and give without expecting a return. You'll never, I promise, regret it live out this God-created identity the way our Father lives toward us, generously and graciously, even when we're at our worst. Our Father is kind. You be kind. Grace Church, the truth is, you need mercy every single second of your life the air you breathe, the water you drink, the feet that you walk on, the hands that you raise, or to wash dishes, those things are mercies from God. You wouldn't be alive. Not a single one of us in this building tonight would be alive if it weren't for the mercies of God. God made you because He wants to love you, and He wants to show you His mercy. Because it reveals to us something about who He is. And, and, He wants you to be an example and a conduit of His mercy to others. There are so many reasons why we need God's mercy in our lives. But let's just start with one really obvious, simple reason. You need God's mercy because you mess up. I'll try that again. You need God's mercy because you mess up. That's a little better. We all do. Now look, this is going to be a shock to my wife, but none of us are perfect. Not even me. Sorry, babe. 30 years time you learn the truth. I'm not perfect. She's let down. Shocked, I tell you. None of us are perfect. Look, we don't even measure up. Watch this. We don't even measure up to our own standards of behavior whenever it comes to what's right. Do we? Much less God's standards. Ecclesiastes 7 and 20 in the New Living says this, says not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. That's pretty straightforward not a single person and James 3 and 2 says we all stumble in many ways look at your neighbor and tell them many many ways you mess up a lot a lot of different ways have you ever stumbled with your words and said something you really shouldn't have said What about have you ever stumbled with your attitude? Have you ever had a bad attitude? Have you ever stumbled in your actions and done something you really you shouldn't have done? What about your emotions? Have you ever stumbled with your emotions and let them take control? Maybe you've shown the wrong emotional response in a relationship. ...and ended up hurting someone. Now, can we just get a raise of hands? If any of those following questions apply to you, would you be willing to raise your hand? Some of you are raising two hands. That's wonderful. We are of the same mind. Yes, raise both hands and both feet. Let me ask you something. Whenever you keep stumbling over your sins and mistakes... How does God respond to you? With mercy. Mm-hmm. So, when somebody you know keeps stumbling and making mistakes with their words, with their emotions, with their actions, with their attitude, how do you, how do you think God wants you to respond to? To them. The answer's the same. Yeah. With mercy. With mercy. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen. Let me let me let me show you something. The scripture says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Boldly. You see that? There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Watch this. Get this. God wants you, He wants you, to go to Him with your habits, with your hurts, with your hang-ups, with your problems, with your struggles. And the Scripture says to go boldly, to go with confidence. Why? Why does the Scripture tell us to go to Him boldly with our hang-ups and problems and issues and mess-ups? Does it tell us to go boldly because God's just waiting with the hammer? And as soon as you show up, He's going to say, You dirty dog, you messed up again. I've been waiting for you to get here. Here's a lightning bolt. I'm going to smoke you right now. No. That is not why the Scripture says that we should go to Him boldly With our issues. The reason why it says we should go boldly. Is because it's not because he's going to scold us. It's not because he's going to dress us down. It's not because he's going to condemn us. He's going to respond. With mercy. Thank you Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I think it's amazing. Isn't that awesome? Thank you. Now here's the kicker. I'm setting you up. I'm setting you up. He wants you to respond to others the same way he responds to you whenever it comes to mercy. In other words, your default setting in the IOS of your brain and spirit Your default setting, for you Android users, whatever y'all have, I don't know. But whatever your default setting, whatever your preferred operating system is, your default setting is that you want to respond with mercy. Get that. You want to respond with mercy. You love to respond with mercy. You can't wait to respond with mercy. Y'all. God has shown me so much mercy in my life, it's weird. Whenever you really think about how much and how often and the levels of mercy that he has shown me, it's weird. And I have a feeling, based on what I read in scripture, that he wants me to demonstrate The same amount and the same levels of weird mercy to those around me. You want to talk about a witness? You want to talk about a testimony? You want to talk about getting people's attention? Try showing mercy to the point of being weird. That'll get people noticing Jesus. Hmm, Something's... Something's different. Something's, I don't know, there's something different about you. You're weird. You mean somebody can hurt you like that? Somebody can do you that way? And you respond the way you did? I I don't think I've ever seen that before. Let me give you, four ways mercy could be your greatest witness. I'm sorry, Nate, I had to turn around. That uh, screen's not on back there, so I don't I don't know. I don't even know how much time I've got left. We, we're just going to be here for a while. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're doing good. Oh, look, he turned that screen on now. He's like, yep, there we go. <clears throat> Let me give you four ways mercy could be your greatest witness. Have y'all noticed how unmerciful and unforgiving the world is today? Is it it just me or have y'all noticed that? Have you spent time on Twitter? Have you spent time actually looking at the comments on people's YouTube videos? It's awful. It seems like the highest form of humor in our society today, I talked about this the other night, it's like the highest form of humor in, in our world today is the put down. Like comedians get paid to be sarcastic and cynical and take jabs at people. And society celebrates that as being clever or edgy. And we eat it up. But when people see somebody showing mercy, especially considering how rude and mean society is in general, it's weird and they wanna know why. And it points people to Jesus. So I'm gonna give you four things that you can do To build a lifestyle of mercy here's the first one you want to build a lifestyle of mercy you want to let mercy be your witness here's the first thing you can do start looking for and listening for people's needs that sounds so simple start looking for and listening for people's needs whose needs Uh, the people in your neighborhood tell you what back that up start at home the people in your house They probably need, they probably need mercy. People in your house, the people in your neighborhood, the people at your job, the people in your work, the people at your school, the people in your family. Mercy always, always begins with awareness. Whenever Jesus fed the 5,000, it says that he looked at them and saw that they, they were sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. Whenever he taught them from Peter's boat, the scripture says, he was moved with compassion because he saw their needs. Begins with awareness. And look, if you're not aware, you don't care. Philippians 2 verses 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Value others above yourselves. Verse 4, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Be aware of what others need. You know what? You don't struggle with being merciful because you're a bad person. I'm looking around the room tonight. Know most of you. I don't see a single bad person. Not even you, Sister Patricia. not a single bad person here you don't struggle with being merciful I just had to wake y'all up a little bit I'll pay for it later I'll pay for it later you don't struggle with being merciful because you're a bad person you struggle with being merciful because you're a busy person busyness is the number one destroyer of mercy in your life because when you're moving from event to event putting out this fire, putting out that fire, going from this hobby to the next hobby, it, it task to task, it's hard for you to stop long enough to pay attention to the people around you. And when you're not looking and listening for people's needs, it's nearly impossible to be merciful. So how do you counter that, Jason? How, how do I counter that? If I'm so busy that I, I can't Stop and and be aware of people's needs so that I can be merciful. What do I do about that? Well, here's the first thing you need to do. You need to pray pray that God would help you I don't really know a a cool way to say this but pray that God would help you to keep your spiritual antenna up Pray that God would help you to keep your spiritual ears and eyes open pray that God help me to be aware however you want to pray it however you want to say it God help me to pay attention Help me to be aware. Help me to not be so consumed in what I'm doing that I'm oblivious to the needs around me. I want to be more merciful. So, God, help me to be aware. There's a man tonight, I'm going to go ahead and call his name. His name's Johnny Morgan. That man witnesses to more people and has more encounters with people to share the gospel than anybody I know. Now, we would look at Brother Johnny and say, well, he doesn't have the same truth that we have. But I will tell you this, that man is a witness for the Jesus that he knows and loves. He shares the gospel with people uh, stopping at the grocery store and noticing that the lady in the checkout is having a rough time or somebody's changing attire. That man will stop and share the gospel. He has trained himself to keep his eyes and ears open to the needs that are around him. And he has amazing results as a result of that. So the first thing you can do is pray that God would help you to be more aware. And the second thing that you can do is to build, actually build some margin in your life so that you have the time to be merciful. I don't know that I can get any more practical than what I'm doing right now. Lemme ask you a question. Do you really need to be doing everything that you're doing? Do you really need <laughs> come on y'all to be doing everything that you're doing? How much time did you give Facebook or Netflix or TikTok this week? How much time did you give to to three different hobbies this week? Here's my question. I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. I'm trying to get you to do just an honest evaluation. Is there anything in your life right now that you could quit doing just so that you could have enough margin in your life so that you can listen for needs? Now, if you're not interested in building a lifestyle of mercy, if you're not interested in letting mercy be your witness, that's not a question you want to engage with. But if this is something that you really want to do, then you've got to eliminate the enemy of mercy in your life. That's busyness. And it's going to require building some margin in. So that's number one. Just be aware. Start looking for and listening for people's needs. I'm talking about four things that you can do to build a lifestyle of mercy. Here's number two. Don't be offended by the sins of others we are so much more tolerant of our own sins than we are the sins of others. But don't be offended by the sins of others. You can't say, look, I'm going to show you some mercy, but you need to go clean up your life first, and then come back and we'll talk about it. Mm-mm. Mercy is unconditional. If you're going to show mercy to people, you can't be offended by them. You can't minister to people if you're looking down on them. Jesus wasn't offended by people's sins. In fact, whenever I read the Gospels, I see Jesus hanging out with sinners a lot. Jesus hung out with sinners so much that he was even accused of being guilty by association. Because he spent time with people that were corrupt, that were unloving that were messed up, they had bad motives, they were manipulative, they were immoral, and Jesus hung out with them. And to that point, every single person in the room tonight tonight should say, Thank you, Jesus. I am so glad that you hung out with people like that Jesus. I'm glad that you accepted people like that Jesus, because that means you accept people like me. And look, that acceptance doesn't mean that Jesus approved of everything they did. He didn't. God doesn't approve of everything you do. And he accepts you completely. Showing mercy, listen to this, showing mercy doesn't mean that you say everything someone does is okay. That's not showing mercy. Drug addiction isn't okay. Alcoholism isn't okay. Adultery isn't okay. Abuse isn't okay. Lying isn't okay. Lust isn't okay. Gossip and slander, they're not okay. Hatred and bitterness, those things are not okay. But you can still show mercy. You can do for others what Christ did for you. 1 Peter 4 and 8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Or, as one translation put it, it said, Most importantly, love each other deeply. Love has a way of not looking at others' sins. That's pretty simple. You want to build a lifestyle of mercy? And let mercy be your witness. Well, start looking for and listening to other people's needs. Don't be offended by the sins of others. Here's number three. Choose your words carefully. Listen closely. If you are going to show mercy, there are some things you just can't say. You can't be condescending, you can't be rude, you can't be sarcastic, help me Jesus. You can't be caustic or mean-spirited with your words. Mercy puts a monitor on your mouth. Mercy helps you choose words that build people up instead of tearing people down. Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 Says it this way Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Another translation said it like this When you talk, you should always be kind and pleasant, so that you will be able to answer everyone in the way that you should. Now, look, maybe you grew up in an environment where it was common in your house or your family. To put people down, put each other down. And you've noticed that you've developed like that same pattern in your life. Oh, what, Oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing the same thing that, that they did. And now I find myself doing it. How, how do I break that habit, Jason? How do I get out of that pattern, that mindset? The biggest thing that you can do if you find yourself in that position where, where you, you, you are caustic, you are sarcastic, you, you give put-downs, you know it's, it's, not, it's not what God wants you to do. You know you need to choose your words better. How can I break out of that habit? The best advice I can give you is to ask God for wisdom. Specifically, ask Him for wisdom. And here's why. James 3, 17 and 18 says this, But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, Full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Then it says peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I want you to notice two things about this passage. First of all, it says that wisdom from heaven is associated with being peace-loving, considerate, submissive, sincere, sincere and full of mercy. So, if you need to break a sarcastic, mean-spirited, caustic pattern of speech ask God for wisdom because the scripture says that wisdom from heaven gives you those things and James also says that if we ask him for wisdom he will give us for wisdom and he won't ridicule us for asking he will not upbraid for you King James purists is what it says if any of you lack wisdom let him ask he will not upbraid the second thing I want you to notice about this passage from James chapter 3 James 3, the whole chapter is all about the power of the tongue. And this is how James ends the chapter. So he ends the chapter about the power of the tongue by saying this, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So keep it in context. You want to reap a good harvest in your life? I don't know about y'all. I want a harvest of righteousness. I've sown a lot of bad seed in my life. I don't want to reap that harvest. I need Jesus to spray like some Holy Ghost Roundup on those seeds. I don't want to reap those. I want to reap a good harvest. Amen? Well, here's, here's, here's the point. Here's the way you get there. The Scripture says that peacemakers who sow in peace, they reap a harvest of righteousness. Sow in peace how? Well, all of James 3 is about this anything like right So you sow in peace with your tongue, with your words. So speak words that are merciful. Ask for wisdom. Speak words that are merciful, and you will reap a harvest of righteousness. The wiser you become... The more merciful you'll be to the people around you, no matter how much they disagree with you, no matter how much they dislike you. That's because the more you understand the hurts of other people, you have wisdom. The more you understand the hurts of other people, the more likely you are to cut them some slack and show them mercy. All right, here we go. Number four. You want to build a lifestyle of mercy? You want to let mercy be your witness? Start looking for and listening for other people's needs. Don't be offended by the sins of others. Choose your words carefully. And number four, value saving people over keeping rules. Value relationships over rules. Value people over policies. I don't don't know how else to say this. I'm I'm telling you, value a soul more than you value someone checking off every box on your list of good behaviors. Jesus modeled this principle over and over and over again. It's like we, we we can't get it, so he showed us multiple times. But there's this really great example found in Matthew chapter 23. Jesus is talking to the legalistic Pharisees, the ultimate rule followers. And he said to the Pharisees he said you are careful to tithe on the tiniest income from your herb gardens but you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice mercy and faith you should tithe yes but do not neglect the more important things Jesus Jesus did not like how the Pharisees prioritized tithing on their herb gardens over what he called, not me, Jesus, over what Jesus called the more important things in the law, like treating people fairly, showing people mercy, and having faith. And Jesus, he, he keyed in on something here. See, the Pharisees had extended the scope and intent of the tithe because they did not want to be found in error. So they made what God had intended as a conduit of His blessing to His people, the tithe. They took what God intended as a conduit of blessing and made it apply to all kinds of things that God never included for the sake of having a righteous appearance. It became a point of pride. I even pay pay tithes on my herb garden. Well, so what? So what? God never said that you have to pay 10% of your parsley and oregano. He never said that. The Pharisees added, listen, the Pharisees added that requirement to themselves so that nobody could ever say that they were not being righteous by not tithing on every type of increase. So they added it to themselves, but then they looked down their noses at any Hebrew that wasn't doing what they did. Jesus said, Man, you guys have got this all wrong. You're paying attention to stuff that doesn't matter. And that, frankly, God doesn't care about. And you're neglecting the stuff that really captures God's heart. You know, stuff like treating people fairly, stuff like showing mercy and having faith. Who cares? about an ounce of parsley when what someone needs is an ounce of mercy who cares about the percentage you gave from your garden when kindness and mercy are being choked to death by the weeds in your heart get it straight and y'all listen we're almost done but y'all it's about to get rough it's been pretty easy so far it's about to get rough We aren't the heroes in this little exchange between Jesus and the Pharisees here in Matthew 23. We're not not the good guys. We're not the heroes here. See, if if you read that scripture and you go back and read that story in Matthew 23, and you think like I did, if you think, yeah, that's right, get them, Jesus. Get those Pharisees. Get them. You tell those hard-hearted, knuckle-dragging, stiff-necked, no-good-fair, you tell them. You tell them, Jesus. That's what I did. And then the Spirit said, uh, who do you think I'm talking to? You better check yourself, Coop. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He's talking to us. And s- He's talking to all of us. We're the Pharisees in this story. Jesus wants us to not neglect the more important things too. He would rather see our kindness, our mercy break through to others so that one day they'll give their lives to him too. Jesus is more interested in kingdom building than he is in rule following. Every time you show weird mercy, that's your greatest Christian witness to the world. To that hurting person on your job, to that person in your family that just keeps messing up. Every time you show mercy, weird mercy, that's an incredible witness to who Jesus really is. You want to build a lifestyle of mercy and let mercy be your witness? Okay, good. Four things. Start looking for and listening to other people's needs. Don't be offended by the sins of others. Choose your words carefully and value saving people over keeping rules. Now let's go back to Visalia, California. July of 2019. That moment, it it haunts me, y'all. It does. It feels like one of those God moments that I missed. Y'all ever had one of those? Y'all ever have, like, you have this strange, surreal event in your life when you could have done something different, you did one thing, but you could have done something else, and then you look back on it, and you think, hmm, that that might have been a God moment right there, and I think I might have missed something. Y'all ever have one of those? Okay, like, do y'all ever have one of those? Okay, thank you. Just want to make sure I'm not by myself. So, if you have one of those, you know, you know how I feel about that moment. But look, I, I don't know what kind of difference I could have made in that man's life. If, I, if I'd given him my shirt, I don't know how much money I had in my wallet. Knowing me, probably not much. If I had 20 bucks, 50 bucks, 100 bucks. If I'd given him my shirt, if I'd given him $20 or $100, if I'd bought him dinner, if I'd sat there on the bench and talked to him about Jesus. Or if I'd have just offered him a kind word. Or what if I'd have done all of those things? I don't know if I would have made any kind of lasting impact on that man's life. I don't know. But I guess the really sad thing is I'll never know. Because some opportunities for mercy only come along once. Some chances that we have at weird mercy, they're only there for a moment. Sobering, isn't it? So I don't know what type of impact I really could have had on that man. Here's what I do know. I do know this, not taking that opportunity, not speaking up, not stepping up, not taking a risk, definitely impacted me. Definitely changed my heart, because there's, there's, this, there's this twinge of regret, Sister Eton, a question that I'll always have about what if associated with that memory. So what about you? What opportunity for mercy is right in front of you tonight? What chance at showing weird mercy to someone who really needs it will you have tomorrow? What chance at showing weird mercy to someone who really needs it will you have before you come back to church on Sunday? What will you miss if you miss it? What will you regret if you don't respond? So there's a tension here in this moment, and, and uh, there's a little bit of pressure to kind of wrap all of this up in a, in a cute little bow and send us out of here feeling good. But I, I want us to leave here tonight feeling just a little bit unsettled. I want us to leave here tonight feeling may, maybe just a little bit unfinished. Maybe, maybe that feeling will help you, will help me, help all of us to be a little more aware a little more sensitive, a little more inclined to demonstrate just some weird mercy. And let mercy be a witness to a world that really, really needs it right now. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, this is a tall order. Because frankly, not only are there some times that I just completely miss the opportunity. But if I'm being honest, Lord, sometimes there's people that I just don't think deserve it. I don't think that feeling comes from you. Pretty sure I know where that feeling of not deserving mercy comes from. Lord, I ask you to help me. I ask you to help every person in this room tonight, every person still listening on live stream. Lord, to just be more merciful, to be more aware of the needs around us. Help us, God. Give us wisdom, wisdom in how we we extend our spiritual ears and extend our spiritual eyes to take in the needs of others. Lord, help us to, to not be offended by the sin of others, but Lord, to accept them, not that their sin's okay, it's not, we know that, but Lord, to still extend to them mercy in spite of their sin. Lord, to choose our words carefully, help us, Jesus, to be careful with what we say and how we say it. Mm. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us. Help us to, to walk the balance of adhering to the principles of your word, embracing doctrine. But Lord, also understanding that there's a soul at stake. And that you have valued relationships with people over rules so many times. Give us wisdom about all of that, Lord, because we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you tonight. Thanks for hanging with me. You are dismissed. We'll see you Sunday. to